<laughs> Good morning, uh, Harvest family and uh, friends that are tuning in with us. Happy Palm Sunday as well. I was trying to get Greg to fan me with one of those like leafy things we usually give kids on Sundays, um, but he decided to decline uh, me on that offer. Uh, if you're just joining us, we've been kind of in a mini-series during um, this time that we haven't been able to gather together. Um, maybe more than a mini-series, it's been a response to the pandemic that's going on uh, right now. A couple weeks ago, um, Greg was in Matthew 6 as we, as we looked at Jesus' teaching to, to not worry um, that ultimately the Lord still is taking care of us um, even when our circumstances are completely out of our control. The next week, just this last Sunday, we were in John 15 uh, where Jesus teaches his disciples and, and, and us as well to abide in him. He gives the analogy of a vine that we're to be branches that, that remain in Christ, remain in the true vine and that that's where our life, our sustenance comes from. And today we'll be in Acts chapter 2, and we'll look at um, a group of believers, the early church, and, and their devotion to the Lord as they were first starting to gather together as the church. And um, I don't know if we did this on purpose or not, or if the Lord just orchestrated it this way, but I just love the progression uh, of these, of these um, messages, that, that it starts as we're responding to this initial news of the coronavirus and not being able to gather together, that, that we bring our worries, we bring our anxieties, our doubts, our fears to the Lord, and remem remember who He is, and that He is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. And then out of that, then in John 15, we abide, we stay, we stay connected to him, we remain in him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And we remain in him so that, that he would both prune us, um, take out the things of, in our lives that, that don't bear fruit, and create space for fruit to, to be born in our lives, for, for us to live lives that, that reflect him being our God, our Savior. And then today, as we look at Acts 2, our response, when, once, when we're in a place of abiding in Christ, we now live as his church. We live as his body here on earth. And hopefully today is, is applicable um, for just thinking through in this time where there's some tension for us as believers, for us as Christ followers of during this shelter in place, how, how, how are we the church? Even though we can't gather together physically, how do we live out being God's church, being the light of the world here on earth during this time? Acts 2, 42 through 47 is our, is our main passage. Um, and I, I just want to make it clear that, that I, need to, I needed this truth, I needed this teaching just as much as the next person. During um, this time of quarantine, uh, as I'm teaching this morning, it's not that I've lived out this message to a T and lived it perfectly. I've struggled too with this tension. I've struggled with the temptations to just want to unplug or the temptations just to kind of like delve within and just become inwardly focused. Um, and yet this has been so good for me to sit in this passage and to remember what it means for us to be the church and what we should be devoting ourselves to. If you've never read Acts before or you're new to the book of Acts, um, this, this book records the events following Jesus' death 
and resurrection. Uh, so Jesus had disciples that followed him around for, for three years, and, and he proved to them, he showed them that he truly was the Son of God. Not only that, he, he, he died on the cross for the sins of the world. Three days later, he's resurrected in his resurrected body. Um, and then he tells his disciples that he's leaving, that he, he's going, and, and that there would be one who would come, a counselor that would be better for them. And so Jesus, in the beginning of Acts, he ascends into heaven, leaving his disciples, but promising them the Holy Spirit. Um, and we see in, in early on in Acts, in Acts 1, uh, that the Spirit descends on God's people, um, that, that God fills his people with his Spirit, that they're to be his temple, they're to be his body here on earth. And this is when God really starts establishing his church and Acts is, is showing us the continued actions, the continued acts of Jesus, even though he's not physically here in, in body, that by his spirit and through his people, his, his actions of love, his actions of grace, of mercy, even miracles and, and wondrous signs are being done through his people by the spirit to continue to prove and to show that Jesus is Lord. Where we're diving in is um, right after 3,000 people have just given their lives, placed their trust in Christ as their Savior, and we're getting an inside look into this community, into these, this fellowship of believers, and how they lived out being the church together. This passage is kind of known as the, the quintessential, if only my church were like this, things would be perfect. And while there are, there are qualities that we see here in this church that we, we want to imitate, that we, um, we want to live out, that any gathering of believers like these, the things that they devoted themselves to should, um, should be taking place in these gatherings. If you kept reading in Acts, you'd see that there were troubles within um, this church because they're people. They're fallen, they're broken, just like us. But there's also troubles from the outside that came into persecution to the point where the church ends up scattered as well. Uh, today, my hope is that we would just have some practical ways as we look at this church um, and look at what they were devoted to as they gathered together, uh, that we'd be able to look at these things and, and, and seek to devote ourselves to the Lord as his people during this time to these things as well. But also in turn, as we look at that at, through persecution, this church is scattered, that God was still in control and using their scattering for good and for the gospel to go out to the ends of the earth. So let's dive in. I encourage you, if you have a Bible in your home, um, to, to uh, turn to Acts chapter 2. It's in the New Testament after the, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'll be starting at verse 42. I'm attempting to have PowerPoint so you can follow along on the screen if you're able to see it as well. Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet in, together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we're going to start off by really looking at that um, initial 
the, the initial first verse that really talks about what these believers were devoted to. And the very first thing that this passage lists out for us is that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And that word devoted there means that they were continually devoted, that over and over again they would come to the apostles' teaching, that teaching was foundational for everything else um, that they did as a community of believers. And if we think about it, like what was this teaching from the apostles? Well, a lot of their teaching was based on the Old Testament but then also the teachings of Jesus. Jesus in Matthew 28 tells his disciples that they were to go into the world um, baptizing and teaching everyone uh, what what he had commanded them, teaching them what he had taught his own disciples. They didn't have the majority of the New Testament yet, the letters that we now have in our New Testament, but those came out over time as they were written to the churches. So that's what they were basing most of their teaching on, the Old Testament, and and Jesus's teachings as well. Uh, during this time, Harvest Church and, and others gathering in, um, we, we need to devote ourselves to good gospel teaching. We need to remind ourselves of what is actually true as we're getting all this news, all this information all the time that, that can evoke fear, that can invoke um, worry or doubt. Uh, we need to remember what's actually true. We need to not just be focused on our physical reality, even though that's important right now and we want to be present in this time. We need to remember the spiritual reality that's going on in our midst as well. We need to remember Jesus. We need, need to remember what he's done, what he's accomplished, so that we live differently. And we do that by going to his word. Greg talked about this a lot last week as as we looked at that passage in John 15. And maybe it's good for you to revisit that this week of of having Jesus' word dwell in us. Right? That that's what we're connected to. His very words of life during this time so that we know what's true. That we're not confused or, or altered by everything the world is screaming at us right now. Even though there, there is good wisdom, right, to, to, to stay healthy, to follow the laws that, that our governor has put into place, we also need to remember who our God is and who he calls us to be as his people during this time. I think something I've heard a lot um, in the last couple years, both at youth group, but some, somewhat with other adults as well, I think Christians, we, we can end up saying things like, um, like, oh man, I've heard that story in the Bible before. But if we think about being continually devoted to something, yes, we're going to hear the same things over and over again. And that I think we need to get that out of our vocabulary as Christians that, oh, I've heard this story or, or I've read this passage before and that it's old hat. I've just noticed so much during this time for myself that there's scripture, there's songs that just have new life in them due to our present circumstances. Um, I, I, one of those passages is Psalm 23, which says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That passage and many others, just as as they've come to mind during this time, it's like, yes, Lord, I need that to be true. I need that to be true in my life, and I long for the other people I know, both brothers and sisters in Christ and, and friends that I know that don't know Jesus, haven't placed their trust in them. I'm like, Lord, would that be true in their life as well? During this time, God, would, would, would they just see their need for you? Would they, would they long for you to be their shelter, even though it feels like they're surrounded by death and hardship and hard circumstances? God, would you reveal yourself to be the Lord in this time? A quote that I love um, from an ex-pastor and then writer Tim Keller is this, and and, and if you've gone through Harvest Life before at our church, you've probably heard me talk about this. He says this in his book, Prodigal God. Many lifelong Christian believers feel they understand the basics of the Christian faith quite well and don't think they need a primer. Nevertheless, one of the signs that you may not grasp the unique, radical nature of the gospel is that you are certain that you do. I think it's so easy for us at times to to think, oh, I've heard that before, I've got this down. But but when our circumstances change, when, when, when there's new fears or worries or doubts, when there's hardships in our life, one of the things that God does in that time is he exposes where we, we may not fully trust him. We haven't fully surrendered ourselves to him. There's, there's more ways that we can continue to walk in faith, leaning heavily on him and trusting our very lives to him as well. And scripture is alive and active Right? There's a passage in scripture that says this. It's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. That this isn't just like reading Harry Potter over and over again, where sometimes you'll pick out new things that stand out to you um, the second or third time you read it. But, but when scripture, God's, God's scripture is, is breathed out by him, there's life in these words. There's life in these teachings. And it produces life in us when we humbly come before God and say, Lord, would you speak to me? Would you change? me by your words. I even think if you're watching here and you haven't placed your trust in Jesus, that maybe you, you in the past have been like, I think I've, I've tried this Bible thing or I've tried this God thing before. I know what it has to say and I just don't know if it's for me. We're, we're not to just come to God once or twice and be like, oh, I think I've got it now. But it's a continual going to him over and over again, learning what it means to have relationship with him and relying on him hev- heavily to be the God that brings life into our lives through his words, through his love, through his commitment to us as our Lord and our Savior. It's amazing the access we have to teaching in our day and age right now. It's such a gift that we can still gather in this way online together as well. It's not what any of us would choose, I don't think. But it's amazing that that right now you can be hearing me talk about the Lord and that there's so many believers throughout history and, and and even now that aren't able to even gather in this way, let alone gather in a group of people due to persecution, due to oppression, due to a lack of resources. But for us, it's such a gift that God has given us uh, teaching 
and, and access to teaching in so many avenues. And like Greg talked about earlier, if, if you, you want to know what, what, should, what should I go to for good teaching, on that COVID uh, resources page, there are some books, um, there's, there's uh, podcasts that you can listen to as well to receive good gospel teaching in this time so that we can remember together what is true. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in all righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When we devote ourselves to good gospel teaching, to meditating on God's word, it produces a response in us. It prepares us to do good works to live as God's people. The next thing that they devoted themselves to in this passage was fellowship. And if you're like me, when I, when I think about fellowship, I think about a group of people gathering together, right? More than just one person. We probably think of our Sunday morning gatherings, or if you're a middle school or high school, you think of youth group on Wednesdays. But we're not able to do that. Right now, we're not able to gather in the way that we want to, really, in the way that, that God wants His people to gather, right? Like, this isn't, um, this isn't what God intended for community right now. This isn't like redeemed, refined community, right? And, and one day, uh, when, when we are in God's perfect kingdom, we will get to experience community in the way that God intended it perfectly, but right now it feels really broken and disjointed, and we probably feel that tension of wanting fellowship, of gathering, but, but right now it's just off and it's weird, and, and, and we, if you're like me, I just haven't known what does that even look like during this time. I spent some time in a, a commentary on Acts preparing um, for this passage uh, by an, uh, a pastor named Kent Hughes, and it's part of a great commentary series called Preaching the Word. So if you're into that kind of thing, I, I encourage you to check out these commentaries. They're really helpful. And he actually gave me a really, a, a, a really helpful understanding about this word fellowship that's used here in Acts and then used over and over again throughout the New Testament. This is what he writes. He says, every time this word is used in the New Testament, it denotes some kind of sharing, either sharing something with someone or sharing in something someone else is experiencing. Here in Acts, the emphasis of the word is on contributing or giving. The foundation of the early Christians' fellowship was giving. And we see this take place all over this passage in Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, having everything in common. So there's shared experience like Kent is talking about. Sharing in something else with someone. It also says that they sold their possessions and gave to whoever had need. That they broke bread in their homes. They both shared their food and they shared their homes with one another as well. This giving, this contributing is taking place in that is the essence of their fellowship. So how does that change our idea of what fellowship is during this time? We can't physically gather together, um, but how can we give 
How can we still contribute to one another? How can we still serve one another during this time? I even wonder how that will change if if we really um, thought about fellowship this way with giving being foundational in it. How will that change once we are able to gather together again on a Sunday or on a Wednesday? Will we come in again just seeking not just to be served by the church, but to be the church and to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ? In my younger, uh, more passion-induced days, in my early 20s, not that every early young 20-year-old is this way, but we often can be, um, I was really frustrated with several community groups or, or Christian groups that, that I had been a part of because it seemed like when we gathered together, it was all about, hey, I want this group to meet my needs. Like people just coming in and and wanting their own personal needs to be met. So there's all this butting of heads because this person wants the group to look like this and that person wants the group to look like that. And we were just so concerned about ourselves instead of having this kind of fellowship where we sought to meet the needs of others. And so I kind of fell into the same boat where then I was just frustrated with the group and not serving them either, but just frustrated that they weren't serving each other, right? Um, and, And I've totally done that too. Like there's groups I've been a part of more recently in my life where I go in and I'm like, ah, is this really meeting my needs? And it is important, and, and I'll talk about that in just a second, that, that our needs are known um, and out there in community. But I think that first and foremost, established as, as God's people, we need to be concerned with the needs of others above ourselves. Like Jesus, Jesus lived that out to a T. He, he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life as an offering. During this time, what does it look like for your life to be an offering, specifically in this passage, for other brothers and sisters in Christ? And then and the, the bleed over of that into our communities as well, in, into our neighbors' lives. I think that um, in, in, in verse 46, it just shows us in this passage that, that as they live this way, with this kind of fellowship, that it produced glad and sincere hearts. I think we're afraid to give, to serve, to contribute at times because it costs us something. We have to sacrifice something. It means us losing something. But, but God does this thing with, with how he has his people live that when we sacrifice, when we, lo- when we lose, when we give, it actually produces gladness and sincerity of relationship and fellowship because it's the way he intended his people, all people, to live to, to reflect and represent him in those ways, to be like him, the, the God who gives and gives and gives of himself over and over again. Later in Acts 20, 35, Paul actually writes this, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. But some of you right now may be asking, but how do I give during this time? Because there are so many restrictions. I think one of the ways, and this isn't going to be everybody's favorite, but one of the ways that we give, that we contribute, that we sacrifice for one another, for our world during this time, is that we honor the shelter that's in place right now. That we serve those that, that are more vulnerable to this pandemic. pandemic, and we, and we, for the most part, stay in our homes unless there's something that's essential that we need to go out and get, that we, we, we serve our neighbor in that way 
by trying to, to lessen the curve. But also, I think as the church, we, we look for ways to seek out needs, and also we make our needs known to one another as well. I've noticed recently that when uh, I've gone out to get the mail or on a walk with, um, when Kat and I go on a walk with our dog, uh, that if we run into one of our neighbors while we stay at a distance um, and we just talk, we, we have conversations, that these are some of the more lengthy conversations I've had with some of my neighbors during this time. And a lot of it can just be listening. One of my neighbors even said, like, just seeing other people's faces just brought so much joy to their day. Um, I, we just need to make the most of every opportunity as Christ followers during this time, while following the guidelines that our, our government has put in place, but to make the most of every opportunity. Greg talked about this last week, and I think the week before, too, that more people right now are just um, ready and willing to have real conversations and share what's actually going on in their lives and their hearts, and we can let them know that we're praying with them, or even in that moment, pray with them during those times, pointing them to Jesus. I've also seen, too, some awesome things on Facebook. I don't normally say that. I am not a huge fan of Facebook, but I've seen people offer homeschooling advice. I've seen people offer toilet paper. I've seen people offer to go out and do grocery runs for people um, who are more vulnerable or or are elderly and just really um, should stay in their homes during this time. I just wonder how can we just toss out there that, um, that, that we see some of the needs that our community has and use things like social media, maybe for the first time, in a way that really honors the Lord and, and, really, and really shows our community that we as believers, we're here to serve and to put others' needs before our own. What if we reach out to the people that we normally sit around at church and just give them a call or shoot them a text and ask them how they're doing, how we could be praying for them? And also during this time, too, we need to make our needs known. Communities, first and foremost, should be a place of serving and giving. But once that has been established, that, that the body members are, are collectively saying yes to that, we, we then can, can trust that we can make our own personal needs known. Maybe someone hasn't reached out to you and you're waiting for that, but you actually just need to reach out first and say, hey, I'm struggling right now. Would you pray with me? Would you point me to where I should be reading in scripture right now that, that will just remind me of the hope that I have in Jesus? Or if, if financially you're struggling or if you're getting nervous about the amount of groceries you, you have and, and you don't know if you should go out, please reach out to us as the church. Um, email us. Go to our website. We would love to know the needs that you have and serve one another during this time. The early church knew that they had been given much in Christ. And out of that, they freely gave as an act of worship. Christ gave his very life for us on the cross so that we might receive his life. That's grace. We hadn't deserved it. We didn't earn it. But Christ gave his life, his righteousness. He he gave over to us so that we could stand before God, clean, washed in his sight. As we move on in this passage, they also devoted themselves to prayer. Greg spoke on this a bit last week, so if you want um, to, a, a 
bigger refresher on prayer or ways that we can be praying, I'd go back and listen to that message. But um, in this season, one of the things he said, our prayer life can really grow. And I think in the last couple days, that's been something I've been trying to focus on more and more in my own personal life. I I was a part of a church several years ago um, where there was a a child who was severely, severely ill in in the ICU, and doctors did not think that the quality of this child's life was ever going to be uh, the same because of their current state. And our our church asked that we would take a day, um, fast, not eat, and, and pray for this child collectively as the body of Christ. And I I remember doing that, and any time I got hungry, it was just a trigger uh, for me to remember to pray for this child. And the the awesome thing is, in this scenario, the Lord showed um, his grace and his mercy, and and the doctors even said how this child recovered uh, blew their minds, and they didn't understand it. And a couple months later, this child was running around the sanctuary and down in Sunday school again, uh, fully able to be themselves. I wonder if every time we thought about COVID-19 or quarantine or this pandemic, instead of going down these rabbit trails of fear or doubt or worry or trying to figure things out or, oh gosh, I should go to the store for this, that instead, before any of that, before we did anything else, we prayed. That that became our trigger. I've been trying to do that the last couple days, and and the Lord's just, when I stop and and, and when COVID comes to mind, I've started praying for some of the nurses and doctors that I know that are on the front lines and are exposed and just praying for safety, health, and wisdom for them, praying for my neighbors that I've got to be in contact with, praying for my friends who who don't know Jesus and that, that God would reveal himself to them in this time, that God would create opportunities for me to reach out to them, to connect with them and share share the gospel, to pray for those who are vulnerable to the virus, to pray for our world? What if COVID caused us to pray more and more and more for one another um, and for the people that are in our lives, continually remaining connected to the vine, connected to our Father? They also devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, They did share meals together on a regular basis, so um, that means that they came together in homes, as we read later later in the passage, uh, and they shared meals with one another. Um, But this specifically, uh, what this passage is talking about here when it says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread is that they were devoted to the Lord's Supper or to communion, as we call it, on Sundays when we gather together, the breaking of bread and the drinking from the cup. A meal that was to remind Jesus' followers of what Christ has done on the cross. That his body, like the bread, was broken for us. That his blood was shed for us. The the death that we deserve because of sin, Christ died for us so that we might receive his life. It's important during this time that we remember Christ We stay devoted to the breaking of bread. And and maybe in your homes right now, you don't have like a loaf of bread and wine or grape juice or crackers that that could resemble these things. And that's okay. But I'd encourage us during a a mealtime to stop 
and just remember during that mealtime what Jesus has done, has done for us to still remember the cross. And when we look back and remember what Jesus has done, it changes our perspective for how we should live now. But not only that, it causes us to look forward to, to, to completely change our perspective, to have eternity in perspective, because what Christ has done, he's given his life to us now, but also forevermore. He even said to his disciples in Matthew 26, 29, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That he gave his disciples as they first enjoyed this meal together, as they they didn't even know what Christ was going to do yet, he gave them this picture that the next time that they would enjoy this meal with him would be in his perfect kingdom where there's no more death, no more sickness, no more sin, no more brokenness. And for us, for Christ followers too, we get to look forward that one day we will enjoy this meal with Jesus in his perfect kingdom. And that gives us hope that no matter what happens to us in this life, God has saved us eternally. We also see in this passage those are the four things that, that they devoted themselves to as the church, but as they, they live this out together and as they continue to share the good news about Jesus, that people were added to their number daily. Do you believe during this time that God could use this to draw people to himself? That friend that you've invited to church over and over again, What if it's in this time that God wants you to pick up the phone and call them, just check in with them and see how they're doing and and to have conversations about where your hope has been placed? That neighbor that you've never talked to, are there opportunities here to let them know that you're praying for them, to leave a note, um, to ask if they need anything, where God is going to use that to reveal himself to uh, your neighbors as you're being the light of the world? I've even just been blown away how many of my friends have reached out to me, my friends that don't trust in Jesus during this time. And it's humbled me. It's convicted me of like, gosh, yes, this is such an opportunity just to connect with people. But also more than that, more than reaching out and just showing that you care, but, but to have conversations about where our hope is uh, as, as fears get expressed, as doubts get expressed, pointing our friends and loved ones to Jesus, a firm foundation. It's easy right now in this time as our world feels like it's shrinking. It's getting smaller and smaller for our perspective to shrink as well. To think that that God can only do so much during this time. But God's kingdom is upside down from how our kingdoms work. As, as hardship happens, as, as, um, as things get shaken up, as we're uncomfortable, that's where God loves to be most powerfully perfect. When we're at our weakest, that's when God loves to expose that weakness and show how powerful he is. And we actually see that in the book of Acts as well. If you kept reading in Acts, you'd see in chapter 8 that there's a member from their church named Stephen who's killed because he's preaching about Jesus. And then the next, um, in the next moment, this happens in Acts chapter 8 verse 1. 
After Stephen's death, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Opposition breaks out against this church that's been devoted to these things. And it caused, here it says that this man Saul was trying to destroy the church and they scattered. They had to flee their homes. This great fellowship and community that they had in close proximity now was spread out all over the Middle East. And you can just imagine the fear, the doubt, the anger, the loss, the frustration, the confusion, the lack of control that potentially this church, these people would feel in this time. But we see who actually is in control in verse 4. It says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. That this man Saul was trying to destroy the church But actually the exact opposite was happening because God was in control. That even as they were scattered, the good news of the gospel went out to new regions, to new places. That they lived into what Jesus commanded him when he said, go into the whole world preaching the good news. We're not scattered during this time because of persecution. Don't don't take what I'm saying as that at all. We're not. But we are scattered as the church Nonetheless, we haven't had to abandon our homes or or anything like that, but we're not able to gather in this fellowship or to gather with people in the way that that it's normal, every day-to-day life. And it would be tempting right now to be like the rest of the world, to be fearful, filled with doubt, to worry. But God's invitation to his church during this time is to do the exact opposite, to continually be devoted to him in all that we do to expose where we struggle to trust him and surrender ourselves to him all the more. And for the good news to continue to go out, would we believe that God wants to use this season, this time, for the gospel to go out, for people to come to salvation because they've placed their trust in Christ. My prayer is that we would have eyes to see, and I pray this for myself, that I would have eyes to see where God is at work during this time, that we as believers would have eyes to see how God is inviting us to partner with him in this time. And I think that we have, we have better spiritual eyes when we are devoted to these four things, to teaching, to, um, to fellowship, a giving fellowship, to prayer and to the breaking of bread, to remembering Christ. If you're if you're tuned, if you tuned into this message and and you are you don't belong to a church or or you you wouldn't say that you've placed your trust in Jesus you you might be thinking right now man I want to be a part of a community like that but I just don't know where I'm at with this whole God thing the reason that any community lives this way is first and foremost because of what Jesus has done That's the only reason I would want to live this way because otherwise it really doesn't make sense. 
We would love to connect with you further if you have questions about why we believe, what we believe, and you can contact us by reaching out on our our website at harvestcc.info, and we'd love to to talk to you about what it means to be a part of a community like this and, and why Jesus is so essential in all of this, why without him nothing else makes sense. Harvest Church and other friends watching, let's be expectant during this time of who God is, what he can do, that even through our scattering, even through not being able to participate in fellowship in the ways that we have in the past, that he can do abundantly, immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine when we devote ourselves to him, when we entrust ourselves to him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of all hope. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, I pray for others watching right now that hope has felt far off or distant during this time. God, would we just be quick to run to you? Maybe we haven't felt devoted to these things uh, during this time of quarantine, but Lord, would you change us from the inside out? Would you give us spiritual eyes to see you during this time, to see how you're at work in our lives and in the world around us as well? We thank you, Lord, for being good. We thank you, God, for, for being in control and that you use the worst of the worst to bring about good news, to redeem it and bring good from ashes. We need you to be that God during this time, Lord. We pray for safety. We pray for the health of of our loved ones, of people in this community, of people in this world. And also, God, I just keep thinking of of the church um, that's scattered, the persecuted church that's in the rest of this world, how, how they've never really been able to meet together in groups. Lord, would you strengthen them during this time, too, where it could feel even more isolating. Would you give them continued hope in you? Would they cling to you heavily? And would you use this, Lord, for the good news to go out? In your name, amen. Like Greg said at the beginning, if you go down at the bottom um, of this video and if you uh, click on um, the show more, it will have some ways uh, that you can respond, whether in conversation or through uh, personal reflection, both through prayer um, or discussion or through journaling um, as well. Um, You now can transition to the live feed uh, of Kai, uh, who's going to lead us in a time of singing worship. Um, And also, as you transition, know that you don't have to sing along with Kai during this time. I didn't last week. I was very close, Kai. You did a really good job in leading us in worship. But, but the focus is to have our hearts fixated on the Lord during this time, to remember who he is. So maybe it's good to sing out loud, and maybe it's totally not. Either way, that's, that's totally fine. Uh, I wish we could be together, Harvest, um, and I look forward to the day when we do get to gather together again. But remember, we're still just as much God's church during this time. Love you guys. Hope to see you soon.